anybody melted yet? Yeah, nice and cool. I'm so thankful for the shade of this building. So thankful for the gentle breeze throughout the assembly hall. It's fantastic. And so I'm really happy about that. You know, we focus on uh, how hot it's going to get, and then you kind of get freaked out. But, you know, the reality is, is that I think about the soldiers over in, in the Middle East. Can you imagine working in a lot hotter weather than what we're experiencing right now? With no shade, with full battle armament on, and those big old heavy packs. I don't know about you, but man, this is paradise right now. So it's all perspective. It's all perspective. So, hey, let's grab our Bibles and turn to the book of First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. I have a couple of announcements to start. And uh, then we will go ahead and jump right in. So 1 John chapter 4 is where we're going to start this morning. Some announcements uh, Sunday evening, this evening. Uh, uh, assembly, as we know it, will be canceled tonight. But I'm going to open up my home if anybody wants to hazard the 115 degree weather and come on out and uh, break bread with us. As a family, that would be great. We got air conditioners going on and I might bring a word or two. That would be great, but it would be just nice family time. So we'll start that at 6 o'clock like normal. So uh, please let us know if you're coming out, though. That would be great. And uh, we'll have evening assembly at the Compton Homestead, kind of a family time. And uh, Monday night, uh, college-age Bible study. Uh, I am going to be taking my lovely bride away tomorrow morning, and we're going to leave for uh, three days. We'll be back Wednesday night uh, for assembly. But uh, we're going to go away, so Monday night, uh, college-age group will, will be canceled. And then the following week is 4th of July weekend, and so people are going to be doing the 4th of July thing. So uh, once again, college-age group will uh, have to wait until, write it down, July 11th, Monday, July 11th. And so Wednesday night evening assembly is going to be at the Kirkpatrick's coming up in July. So make sure you're there this next Wednesday. Uh, that would be fantastic. And uh, lady study, are we doing lady study? Okay, lady study is on this week, but lady study is not on next week. So, all right, write that down. That would be great. And then uh, I have down here Sunday, 4th of July. We'll be right back here, and I'm hoping we can turn the heat down. But we'll just have to wait and see how that all works. So you guys down from uh, Reading, you guys know this temperature. This is nothing, right? It's kind of a calm. <laughs> What's the hottest it ever got down there? 118? All right. <laughs> I think Eugene said, hold my Pepsi. <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see how that all works out today. So uh, you know that Eugene, by the way, is Pepsi Town, USA. Did you know that? All other towns in the USA, they love Coke better than Pepsi, but believe it or not, it's true. Check it out. We're Pepsi town. So anyway, that's why I said hold my Pepsi. We're, we're contextually correct. So with that, any other announcements before I do these wonderful Jeff? Oh, we got some, some people to sing happy birthday to. And I don't have my list here. Is it, is it Braxton? All right, Braxton. All right. You're on. How old are you, Braxton? Eight. When? When's your birthday? You don't know. I don't know. On Tuesday. 
Are you eight right now and going to be nine, or are you seven right now and going to be eight? Seven right now and going to be eight on Tuesday. Aren't you glad you have a mom to tell you when your birthday is? Just hope she doesn't forget the presents, right? Now, somebody else's birthday's coming up. Pam, on Wednesday. All right, great, we can party. Yes. Did we? I don't know. All right, so Brian, too. Michael, you too. Get, that mask is not covering you up. Somebody's pointing you out. All right. So we got Michael, we got Brian, we got Braxton, and, and who else? I forgot already, man. Oh, Pam. Pam. Well, hopefully she's watching, and if not, she can watch the, the video. All right, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. So, Michael, you see what you're going to have to put up with in a few months? Your sister-in-law's always going to be telling on you, man. It's gross. All right. Jeff Trellinger, I appreciate your faithfulness through the years in teaching, preaching, and being a great example. Can I get an amen? amen. Woo-hoo. Mrs. Parks, thank you so much for doing everything you do. Uh, you are very appreciated uh, by Mr. Compton, but by someone else who wrote this. Thanks for being such a good example of Christ. Amen. Jeff D., your heartfelt words and teaching has been a, such an encouragement to me. Thank you for sharing with us this month. Angie, there you go. Thank you very much, Angie. I told on you. That's Jeff. That's awesome. Angie, this is back at you. I miss you and I don't get to see you. We are so blessed to have you and Lars here at Pleasant Hill. You bring sunshine to all of us. Now, I should have wrote that, but I didn't write it. There you go. Let's give it for Andy. Woo-hoo! All right. <laughs> well, Jeff D., man, he's the rock star this morning. I really appreciate your lessons this morning, uh, this lesson this morning. I-, I felt like it was just what I needed to hear. Your willingness to be vulnerable is an encouragement to each of us to be honest with ourselves. Thank you for continuing to strive. Amen. All right. You're well-deserved there, Jeff. Well-deserved. All right. Anything else before we jump right in? Okay, this is a miracle that we're starting this. I, I can't guarantee we'll get out by noon, but I'm really going to try hard. So let's grab our Bibles, 1 John chapter 4, and beginning there in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifest in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then turn to the book of Revelation and chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, we closed last week with this passage of scripture and we're going to open it up this week. Uh, 
with this passage of scripture. Revelation 3, verse 15 and 16. I know your deeds, the Lord Jesus says. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and, and uh, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the opportunity to, to really have a comparative understanding of what those who live in other parts of the world experience on a, on a daily basis. I know as we grow closer to the equator, how uh, terribly hot it is. And for our men and women in uniform who are serving abroad, especially in those areas, Father, what a, an amazing job they do. And, and so, Father, we thank you now for this, this uh, building, for the shade, for the, uh, the fans. Uh, really, Father, for the fellowship, most of all, fellowship with you and with the brethren. Now we pray that you would help us to focus on the scripture this morning. Father, in regards to, to forsaking uh, the lukewarm lifestyle, we should decide that we're going to be hot in our service uh, for you. And Father, that really comes down to being uh, red hot and rolling in our commitment to love as you love. That's what's going to turn many hearts back home to you. Father, help us to see that and how that is really a pillar of perseverance for now and for the days to come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the lesson, Defining the Nature of Love and of Being Hot. And I have to be honest with you, this lesson has been in the works for several weeks. Did not know what the temperature was going to be today. So God just decided we're going to drop this one right here, right now. Thank you very much, Lord. I appreciate it. And so you're going to find out that this word hot really does mean two things. Number one, intensity hot and intentionally hot. So the intensity of our fire and our service for the Lord needs to be cranked up. And the long-term intensity needs to be there as well. And so both for those who lead and those who are serving and always all of us need to examine ourselves and just ask the question how's my prayer life ask the question how's my life in doing good for others instead of striving to do good for me really those two questions are going to be asked at the end as we look at the scriptures and so let's jump right in point number one uh, this morning defining the nature of God's love well, if you take a look back at 1 John in chapter 4, it's clearly defined there for us. We don't really need to go into uh, a long dissertation. Love, God proved his love by the sacrifice of his son. Jesus Christ manifests the very nature of God in his love for you every moment of his life. And so God is love. You look at God as he chose to represent himself, to manifest himself in the life of Jesus Christ when he walked this earth, and you're going to see what love is. God is love. God in the spirit is love. God in his children is love. Now, question. How many moments did Jesus live for himself? Versus how many moments he lived for you. 
If he would have lived for himself in one word, in one thought, in one decision, then all of humanity would have been lost. He chose to live exclusively for you, literally for all human beings, both those who were faithful at the time and the vast majority who were unfaithful at the time. It says that we're called to be sons of God. And to be sons of God is to love our enemies. To lay our lives down to service and to help. And so it's important for us to recognize and understand that the definition of love is embodied in the very life of Jesus Christ. That's why it says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the standard of love in the flesh. The standard of God working through his church, the embodiment of Christ. I believe the reason that the world is not rushing into the fellowship with Christ is because of the hypocrisy that they see in those who proclaim or name Jesus. They haven't seen real love, real sacrificial love. And that's what the world really needs to see is sacrificial love. And we get to practice with each other. It says love one another. And also love the world as God loved the world and gave his son. And so brethren, the definition, the nature of love is God manifest in Christ Jesus when he walked this world. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and, and verse 8 there. It says, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You know, if you're not willing to sacrifice yourself for others, then you really don't know God because that's who God is. And then you go a little bit further down in that passage of Scripture, verse 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I asked this question many years ago. I can't remember who I pointed to. But I asked the question of, of a young man, and I said, because he had a couple little ones there, and I said, would you be willing to kill your son on a cross so that a dirtbag sinner, like a rapist or a murderer or somebody that was just heinous, would you allow them to take the death penalty for that guy so that guy could go free? And his answer was the correct answer. No. That better have been his answer. But God chose, out of love for us, to sacrifice his very best. His one, really, one and only son. It's not like he had a multitude. He only had one. And he chose to sacrifice him. But here's the deal. Jesus Christ chose to come. And he set his face like flint to go to the cross. That's the definition of love. Take a look at the next uh, check mark there. God's love is sacrifice of self for others. What does John 3.16 say? God, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. Knowing that he was going to be brutally murdered, bearing the sins of the world, knowing that he was going to have to... Pay the full price of our sins in his body, Jesus came. 
Well, look at the next passage of Scripture. Look at 1 John 3.16. Turn there. It's just across the page. 1 John 3.16. We know love by this. Here's how we know what love is. He laid his life down for us. That's how we know what love is. And we ought to lay our lives down for others. You know what that word ought means, by the way? The word ought there means we are indebted to. How many, how many of you ever remember Mike Harper coming here? He was right over here on a Wednesday night before family camp. I remember him walking. And you know how he would walk back and forth and he would pace? Remember how he would stop? And he'd look at you. How many remember that about Mike Harper? Man, it freaked me out sometimes because he'd kind of get that kind of weird wicked eye. You know? And he'd ask the question. He goes, now here's the question I asked. If Jesus paid the full price, the debt, and it's a gift, you don't owe anything. And yeah, that's absolutely true. But the word ought here in 1 John 3.16 says, you know, if he did that for us, what ought you to do for him? Now that's a choice. It's a choice to lay your life down. He's not making you lay it down. It's a choice to lay your life down. So look at that. 1 John 3.16. 1 John, little John 3.16. We know love by this that he laid down his life for us. And we ought. Look at that word ought. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Because when we do that, we're loving Jesus Christ. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children. Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Love in deed. People know that you love them by what you do. Not by what you say, by what you do. That's how we're going to win the world. Don't be preaching it with your lips. Be preaching it with your deeds of sacrificial love with no strings attached. Now look at that last one there. Sacrificial love is the Christian standard. It's the Christian standard. Go back with me to the book of Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians 5. You know this one very well. It seems like I bring it up almost every sermon. It's really the Christian standard. It's our standard. Notice what it says there. In the Spirit, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, for in the Spirit of Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. What matters is faith working through love. I love that word working. That word working is to show manifest through your works. To manifest what? To manifest love through our deeds. The word there is energio. Energio. I suppose you probably got it figured out. That means energy. Faith as the energizer of the deeds of love. I'll tell you what. How many have ever had someone say something really nice to you, just out of the blue. Just out of the blue. They just say something nice. They send you a text. Anybody ever get one of those before? Just out of the blue, you get a text. Well, I'm sorry for you guys. I'll have to start texting more. Okay? Logan, you're going to have to start doing that too. Logan sent me a text this last week. Blew me away. Here I am laboring at my desk, doing all sorts of stuff, you know, cogitating about all the things I got to do. And here's this text that comes through. 
And I would find it on here, but then I would mess up the video and then life would be over for the folks watching. So he made this really nice statement. He goes, I really appreciate all you do. Oh, well, that wasn't a very good test. Yes, it was. It was great. It's like, wow, the guy was thinking about me. That was the key. And then he did something about it. Brethren, how important that is, sacrificial love, the Christian standard. Deeds of love. That was a, a wonderful deed of love. Now let's look at number two. Number two is really the big thing. Don't look at the clock because you'll be shocked. No heart attacks today. It's only 11.30. So, defining the, the nature of being hot. Now, how many have ever noticed on, on Facebook or whatever, when someone sends you a note uh, and you can put a little, you know, googly eye with a flame or something, you're really hot. Well, I'll tell you what, we should be beautiful in the Lord. doesn't matter what you physically look like, we should be hot when it comes to our service. And you know what really makes somebody hot in God's eyes? Someone who's red hot with the love of God for people. Willing to change up their schedule. That's really what it's all about. We get so, I don't know, do you get locked into your schedule? I got to do this, I got to do that. Oh, I don't have time. But what if someone really needs a few moments of your time? Wouldn't it be good if you said, man, I really want to spend time with you, but I'm leading this group and uh, we're doing a Zoom thing and it'd be kind of weird if I didn't show up to the Zoom and I'm leading this thing. Can we set a time right after that? Anytime today, I'll be open. Let me, and, and check, because I want to be focused completely. I just don't want to give you a quick answer. Is that a demonstration of love and then following through? Absolutely. So now let's look at what the nature of being hot really means. Going back to the book of Revelation. Let's turn there. Red hot and rolling. Isn't that what the, the lasers were at some point in time? Red hot and rolling. Well, we should be that all the time. Red hot and rolling. Red hot and rolling for the Lord in good deeds. Take a look. Verse 15 and 16. Jesus says to the church, Laodicea, they thought they had it all made. They were rich and smart and well-clothed and all that stuff. You can read it. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The word here, hot, is defined the Greek word zelos. The Greek word zelos means hot, boiling, fervent of mind and spirit, zealous, passionate for what is good. That's what this word means. Hot, boiling, fervent of mind and spirit, zealous for good deeds. Fervent in mind. And so there's a couple of scriptures here that actually talk about being fervent, but from a zealous standpoint. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This word zealous means intensity, intensity of whatever you're zealous about. Now let's look at a couple of scriptures where Jesus is intense and has called us to be intense. Have you ever been with someone before and you go, well, that guy's intense. Well, it should be intense love. 
It should be intense about loving the body of Christ and those not yet Christians. Take a look with me. Look first at the book of uh, John and chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. This is the word zeal here. The Gospel of John, chapter 2, and verse 17. Look what Jesus is zealous about. We're going to pick it up in verse 13 to get the context. John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 13 through 17. This is the first time he goes to the Passover. First Passover after he turned 30. Take a look. Verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was near. Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers seated at their tables. And he made a scourge of cords and drove them out, all of them, out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the coins and the money changers overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business, a den of thieves, it says in another passage of scripture. Verse 17, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal, zealos for your house will consume me. Are we consumed with zeal to build the house of the Lord God? Are we consumed with zeal to individually recognize where we're lukewarm? Are we willing to do that? You know, I hear the concept of spiritual revolution. Well, there's no spiritual revolution until we actually examine ourselves, kick out the garbage, and embrace fully what we're called to be, the manifestation of the love of God in this generation. We was shared with us this morning by Scott that we are the manifestation of God today. We are his body. The fullness of deity dwells in us. So we need to walk by faith and not by sight. That's what I heard you say, amen? So we can actually manifest this great love. Stop looking at yourself only. Look around. The world is white for harvest. The people are going to the lake of fire right and left. Jesus Christ came to save those lost souls. The only way it's going to be done is that people see an intensity in you to change what needs to be changed in you so that you can be that manifestation of God's love. Self gets in the way. Because love, real love, is selfless. Well, let's take a look at another passage of Scripture. I love this one. Titus chapter 2. Look at, look at the book of Titus in chapter 2. Fantastic passage. And it speaks of the intensity with which we need to love people. And so Titus chapter 2, beginning there in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Praise the Lord for Jesus Christ's sacrifice, his propitiation. But the only way that salvation is going to go forth is through his church. Amen? Let me try that one again. The only way that the message of salvation is going to go forth is through his church. Amen? Unless they see that we really are the real deal and not just those talking heads that live one way and then, you know, talk it up. People aren't coming. So notice what it says there. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to what? Deny ungodliness, to deny worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, godly in this present age. 
looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. Verse 14 and, and uh, uh, following. You who, have, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every, every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous, on fire, intense for good works. Intense for good works. The word zeal means intensity. But the word zeal also means to be fervent. And the word fervent is also used in regards to being zealous. And I looked that word fervent up because it's found in every Greek definition of zeal. And so I looked up the word fervent and the word fervent is in the scriptures as well. Speaking of being zealous for God, particularly zealous for souls manifesting the love of God. Let's take a look. Under fervency, I looked up that Greek word. It means to be intentional without ceasing. You focus on something and you are unrestrained. In fact, it's interesting. It means to strive, to stretch, to strain to achieve with great intention. In other words, when you get up in the morning, I wonder what I'm going to do today. I wonder what God wants me to do today. As soon as you get out of bed, the first person you see, what does God want you to do to that person? What? Come on, you've been listening to the sermon. Love on them. Find out what their needs are and step into their life and fulfill their needs. You can do that for the gas station attendant. You can do that for the clerk down at the grocery store. You can do that for the sweet lady named Pam down at Macy's. You can do that for, for every single person you meet. And do you think Jesus did that? How many would agree that Jesus did that? Every single person. People would come meet him. And he would know their need. That they were a prostitute that desired so much to get out of the guilt and the shame of that lifestyle that she had chosen where that woman caught in adultery where that man who was violently rich and liked to extort money he knew those people's heart and he touched their hearts individuals he touched their hearts that's what we're supposed to be now let's take a look at this fervency that we're supposed to have this constant intensity this straining this stretching this striving with a purpose and that of course is deeds that are good. Well, let's take a look at Luke 22 and 44. Look at the fervency here in the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 22 and verse 44. The word here, fervency, is used in the Greek to be intentional, striving, straining, without ceasing. Luke chapter 22 and verse 44. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Talk about a prayer life. Can you tell me anything you know about Jesus' prayer life? What did he do in the mornings? He got up before the sun came up, before anybody else was up. And he went to a quiet place away and he prayed fervently until everybody was up looking for him. And then what would he do at night? In the evenings, he'd go to a, 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 a quiet place and he would pray sometimes all night long. Now, how often did he do that? 
It said it was his habit. Talk about fervency in prayer. And it wasn't just those times. He was praying constantly through the day. And then here he is in the most terrifying time in his physical life. Realizing he's going to pay the full price for man's humanity's sin. By the most excruciating way. He does not waver. He prays so fervently that drops of blood come out of his body. So how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life for people who aren't Christians? How's your prayer life for the brethren, those who are struggling? How's your prayer life for those who are out front leading? How's your prayer life for those who are serving consistently? Those who are giving liberally. How's your prayer life? I've committed myself on Wednesday nights to begin to, to bring to our focus the prayers of the Apostle Paul, specifically for the needs of the church. We need to pray those prayers for each other. And so, brethren, look at the fervency, the zeal of Christ. Look at Acts 12 and verse 5. Acts 12 and verse 5. Why is it that we pray this way when something horrific is happening? Jesus had a prayer life that was consistent, so when the horrific things happened, he had that open uh, door to God because he had developed that relationship. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. Peter's thrown in prison. He's going to be killed the next day. At least that's what's on the docket. And look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. In other words, they were praying all night long. All night long. Because the church knew that, look, Peter was given the keys of the kingdom and he had opened the door to the, to the kingdom of God, to the, to the Jews. Aren't you glad they prayed? Because he wouldn't have been around to open the door for the Gentiles. That's us. <coughs> Fervent prayer. Intense prayer. But now let's take a look at another two passages. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter and chapter 1. Both of these have to do with our love life. How's your prayer life? I'm going to ask you in a moment how your love life is. I'm talking about your love life for Jesus Christ and his church. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you've been born again, not a seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and abiding word of God. Brethren, what does that say there? Fervent in our prayer. Intense, or excuse me, fervent in our love. Intense and constant. Intense and constant for the brethren. You know, if you're not praying for all the all the saints, are you thinking about all the saints all the time? Because if you're praying for all the saints all the time, you're thinking about the saints all the time. That's one good reason to be praying for the saints all the time. Because then you can go, I really wonder what's going on. I'll sometimes text people. What's going on in your life? <coughs> so I can pray. 
Brethren, we need to have that, that fervent prayer for the brethren. Look at this one. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Beginning in verse 7. We're going to read down through the end of that section, verse uh, 11. But the particular verse is verse 8. The word fervent is used. The end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, priority one, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, do it as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, to do it so as serving uh, by the strength which God supplies. So in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Brethren, we're supposed to be fervent in our love. And we're supposed to be fervent in our prayer. And if we're fervent in prayer and we're fervent in love and we're zealous for good deeds and we're zealous for the church, the church is going to be not lukewarm. The church is not going to be cold. The church is going to be on fire for winning souls and drawing all men unto Christ. Whether they be Christians who are in the growth process or those who are what I call pre-Christians. They just haven't heard the message yet fully. Now, brethren, I want to close with the passage of Scripture I have in your lesson plan. Romans 12. This is a call to all Christians. Romans 12, beginning in verse 9. And I honestly believe that if we were to do this, that people would see the love of Christ. Romans 12, beginning in verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. We need to be fervent in spirit zealous in spirit and mind. Brethren, if we're not that way, we're lukewarm. Someone once said the opposite of love is hate. But I heard someone else say, really the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. And isn't apathy another name for being lukewarm? Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Brethren, I don't know about you, but I, I want to be hot when I stand before King Jesus. And it just you just can't turn on the burner. You've got to build it now. Brethren, my prayer is, is that we would realize that love for each other is what's going to give us what we need to work through what's to come in the future. Love never fails. Everything else will. But love never fails. Brethren, let's work together, loving one another, and loving those who are not yet His, so that we can bring them unto Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the morning. Thank you that it's still relatively cool. I pray, Father, 
that you would bless us, Lord God, with a mindset to get self out of our lives. If we want to follow you, be your disciples. You've told us we need to deny self, take up our cross, and follow you. Father, help us to be ones who are zealous for good works, zealous in love for one another and for those who are not yet yours, and zealous, dear Heavenly Father, to walk by faith and to pray, Father, like your Son, Jesus Christ. I ask these things in his name that he be glorified. Amen. All right, let's stand, please. Let's stand. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's go be zealous. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.